Good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, this episode of PB&J. It's just Jeremy again. I got my coffee again. And, um, yeah, let's just go over some stuff. Let's talk a little bit. Let's have a little conversation. Um, so, first thing, I'll address everything that I said I was going to do in yesterday's podcast and tell you what I did of it and what I didn't do of it. Um, yesterday, I got... Well, I did the podcast, first thing, like I'm doing again today. Um, I'm a little later today. I'm a little bit more behind schedule, but I had a bit more of a breakfast. I was a little more tired than I was yesterday. Um, but I had an idea, and um, I've been working on that idea. So it was it was one of those ideas that was spur of the moment I needed to write it down because if I didn't, then I would have lost it. And I feel like this idea is going to be a really good one. I'll talk about it uh, a little later in the podcast. We're going to keep going on what what I did yesterday. Um, so I got a, I edited my video. To, like I edited all the shots that I've already got of tomorrow's video. Um, so t- and then I wrote down a shot list and things that I want to see and things that I want to change. So I got a bit of work to do with that this afternoon, I think. Um this afternoon and this evening. Uh, today I want to start working on this new um, idea that I got, which I'll get to after a little bit. Um, I had a Patreon post yesterday, um, which I'm hoping to have a podcast out on Patreon today. Yesterday it was a video. Um and I said build an audience. I think I gained six subscribers yesterday on Instagram. Um, and I hope to double down on that today and get some more. Uh, the only the way I did that, I just posted a, posted, posted a photo, um, hashtagged a bunch. And that's about it, honestly. I... Uh, it's it's about doing it every day, and it's about putting in the work to make every way that picture can be found accessible, right? Um, tag as many people as you can in it, not without being annoying and spamming. Like I like to, if somebody has any sort of um, connection to it, they'll usually get a tag uh, because their followers will see it. You know, it'll go through them too. So that's one way. Uh, I usually put my location on um or find a location that's close to where i was uh like what the picture represents you know what i mean um and then hashtag as much as you can as much relevant things as you can um that's what i do with my posts and i've even started to hashtag with some uh stories the good way that i do that um that it's not annoying and it's covering up the story or the like it's taking away from the the idea of the story i did it today this morning, if you've seen my Instagram post of my uh, the Flawless Mounty board, um, I took that just before I erased it to write down the idea that I had, uh, which isn't on Instagram yet. But, but one thing that you guys might not have known is I had like four hashtags blending in to, uh, to the paint underneath, like the wall underneath the whiteboard. I just selected. I just wrote down the hashtags and I selected a color from the from the from the picture and I selected it on the wall, shrunk them down, put them there. So that way, 
if people are like me and they follow hashtags, if they follow any of those hashtags that I put, that picture will come up, but it won't take away from the effect of that picture. It won't take away from what I want that image to represent. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think that's slimy at all. I think that's a pretty fair, like a pretty good life hack, really. So you're getting something good out of this if you're a, if you're a media person that wants to, you know, cheat the system in a way. Uh, but that's a way to do it without being annoying. Um, moving on. Uh, what else did I have to do yesterday that I did? Oh, yeah, I did the grocery shopping with the kids. I did go for a run. I think I did about two and a half K, which, I mean, it's starting out in the first time in a while. I went from, like, smoking bongs and doing listening to songs uh, to running Ks and making plays. <laughs> um, just kidding. That's stupid. It sounded better in my head. Um We'll, uh, so I felt good. I felt good after that. And it was good, like, motivational, like, pump up. I might do it again today, but, uh, freezing rain warning. And it's pretty fucking slippery outside. I slipped, like, four times this morning. Right on my ass. Um, my leg was all wet. I'm still kind of upset about it. But it puts me in a good mood to, or a good mindset to be able to um, do my Living Hell movie to film that um, once I get past this idea. Like, once I get all the information I can of this idea that I have for the new video um, out and done. Which I think this is going to be, like, me fleshing out some of it. Um and, yeah, so this is going to be as much of a tool for the video as it is just communicating to you guys and getting you guys hyped for it. Um, and that's going to be the main thing. So I'm going to try to save that for last. Uh, let's do a little bit of Twitter Tot. Twitter Tot today is kind of sad. Um, wildlife species that went extinct in 2018. Uh, the Weather Channel India tweeted this last night. And um, it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. But um, I'm going to retweet it right now. Yeah, I just retweeted it for you guys. So uh, if you guys want to take a look at the actual, actual uh, post that I'm going to read off a little bit too. Um, go and follow my Twitter at Jeremy Allery. Uh, I just passed a hundred, hundred, uh, followers or subscribe followers. Yeah. Followers. So that was pretty exciting. Um, but let's get into this Twitter talk a little bit. The earth is losing animal species at 1000 to 10,000 times the natural rate. And as many as 30 to 50% of the planet species may be extinct by 2050. Okay. So that's that's the first like kind of scary thing. So I was expecting a longer list list after hearing that, but happily, kind of like it's very bittersweet. Like there's a lot of species out in the world, um, and it's always sad to lose some, you know. But uh, if it's, I don't know how to uh, how we can fix this, but 
I think it's interesting information to have. So I, I hope I don't bum you guys out too much on this uh, Tuesday morning. But we lost a bird, a small songbird native to Hawaii. The name is hard. Um, it's P-O uh, apostrophe. O-U-L-I. So if I was trying to do it, it'd maybe be a Pauli. I don't know if I'm way off or kind of close, but the Pauli was discovered over 45 years ago in 1981. Its population topped some 150 birds, but saw a decline driven by invasive alien species, according to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So that's the first thing we lost last year. Uh, this, it, all of them are birds. The second one is the Alagoas foliage gleaner and cryptic tree hunter. The Oligas foliage gleaner was discovered by 1975, in, in 1975, Neotropical Birds List, and it wasn't until 2002 that research discovered the cryptic tree hunter was a new species of its own, according to the bird. Uh, bird life internal. So we lost those. Uh, let's see if we got any more information. Uh, last sighting of the cryptic tree hunter was in 2007, while the Alogas foliage gleaner was last seen in 2011. So, so these ones, I guess, are just that they haven't been spotted in a long time. So they just assume, well, in between then and now, they're gone. Um, the last one that we got this year uh, is kind of intense. Uh, this is the this is the image when you see the tweet, but it's the Spix macaw, the list of mo the list's most vibrant bird, Spix macaw, the a blue parrot native to Brazil, and it looks very familiar because um, it's on screen role in 20th Century Fox Rio. Yeah, and I I really enjoyed the movie Rio, and they did bring up the subject of the fact that they're almost extinct and they were very close to extinction um, is believed to have gone extinct in the wild. They have some in uh, they have a, they've seen, they have what did it say? Um, a 2016 sighting brought hope that the then critically endangered species was still alive in the wild but it was later believed to be one that escaped captivity. So they have a few in in captivity, but um, in the wild, it's it's gone. Uh, the Weather Channel India. Oh, on the brink, we've got um, the vaquita. Discovered in 1958, the vaquita is on the world's rarest ma marine mammal and could go extinct any day. It looks like a little dolphin, kind of. Um yeah, that's the best way I could do it. Um, and they're saying the uh, less than 30 vaquilla remain in the world. Uh, another one on the brink is the northern white rhino. Uh, and this one is the most, like, well, they don't have much time because uh, the last remaining male northern white rhino died at the age of 45 in 2018. So, total number of remaining northern white rhinos is two, and both are female, so they can't reproduce naturally. Uh, 
And yeah, that's kind of your bum out about the environment today. Um, that was my Twitter thought. Uh, it's just kind of the biggest moment that's happening right now. And it's uh, it's good that it's a big moment. It's giving people, it's making it, you know, um, it's making, it's making knowledge that there's an issue. Because I didn't know that. We are losing, losing species at that rate, at the rate of 1,000 to 10,000 times the natural rate. Um, I know, like, some species just run their course, right? Some is natural. Some are not. Um, I consider myself a hunter, uh, but I also kind of consider myself an animal activist. Some people don't understand that these can, they, you can be both. Um, because of how I don't want things to go extinct. I don't want, I don't think we're a master race. I don't think, uh, I don't think we deserve more than they do. Well, in the sense that they deserve to live. They deserve to be alive. They deserve to exist. That's that's the word I'm looking for. They deserve to exist. Um, and even though we have the power to take out full, um, full species like that, we should never be given the power to. Um... And honestly, being a hunter, I find that uh, I understand and I can um, and I can attest to animal conservation almost more than a lot of people that don't immerse themselves into natural resource like excursions like that and whatever else. So um so yeah, sad news. The bird from Rio uh, is now extinct. And yeah, we'll continue on. I will uh All right, I will I won't I won't drag you on any much longer to um get to the idea that I mentioned at the beginning. And the idea that I have is to see if I can make a bit of a case study on how PewDiePie has become less of a less of a figure or how would I I haven't I haven't prepared this at all I've just written down what it is um to a oh what I'm trying to think of how he you know when you start YouTube or you start anything like that, they tell you um, fake it till you make it, or uh, or you gotta be like wow, woo, you gotta you gotta imitate and you gotta excite and you gotta get somebody in it and um, for them to to come to your content for them to come back. You got to be energetic. You got to entertain. Well, uh, I feel like 
people try to overdo that sometimes. And PewDiePie started a similar way like that. Um, but it was very intimate, you know. He, was, he wasn't pretending to reach millions and thousands of people. He, uh, he was like, what's up, bros? Bro Fist, thanks for watching the videos. If you could subscribe and everything else. Um, he was on the grind just like anybody who is starting out YouTube. And then he grew massively, massively. Um, one of the videos I've seen today, he said he went from, I think, 800,000 to over two, 2.5 million in like a week or in between two videos. So maybe I misread that wrong but or misheard that wrong. I don't know. Either way, um, he grew very fast. He's the biggest YouTuber in the world. And from that, he made a mistake while making his regular um, video game commentary videos. He made a mistake in the heat of the moment, and he said a word that is not allowed to be said. Um, with that, there was controversy. With that, the media had a bad guy. They had news. So people started to leave PewDiePie, and people started to come to PewDiePie. Um, I'll admit that I come into PewDiePie in this area because of the reaction videos he made. He made the apology video. I, that was probably one of my first PewDiePie videos that I watched, like I looked for. Um, and then I subscribed shortly after, and he, uh, and yeah, and then it started, he was in the news so often that he could commentate on that, or he could just make response videos and stuff, and he was making less um, video game videos, but he was still making video games videos, and um, I've always been more of a fan of the commentary videos, I've been watching him do those for the last few years, um, but then he got more subscribers from that, like like people like me. Um, we go on, we go on, and then he's into kind of he's kind of like crossing the line, like crossing the border, I guess, between video game commentary and just talking videos. And he's kind of doing like offshoot, like YouTuber like type videos, if that makes sense. Um, the classic, if you search YouTuber like mainstream whatever. They're making uh, videos of weird prod products or like, let's try this thing out. That's what I'm trying to do. And he goes on to Fiverr. More controversy with uh, a Fiverr request that, you know, I won't go into because it's, uh, it's, it's bad. This one, I think this one got a more media coverage and more um, hate. Because it's still happening. Um, but he made a, a joke towards Jewish people. Kind of. He made a joke that nobody... He didn't think they would actually do it. And they did. But back in this time was the transition time. He made his comedy from making edgy, dark jokes like this. And then as he gained a following, more more viewers comes more uh, more responsibility, whatever else. As he gained more of a following, the edginess of the jokes had should like was um, expected to get toned down, I guess. But you can't. 
expects going to change like that. Uh, so he made an edgy joke, and they went through with the thing. And um, he's clearly in shock, but the media loves how to twist things. Something happened that could make him look terrible, and they did it. And um, I think it was Wall Street Journal that uploaded that or did that one. And um, that sparked a, uh, an against from each other. You know, it was the the bro army at this point. It wasn't just the bro-less bro fist. It was bro army because there's so many of them. And it was us against the media. Um, we continue on. And we all know that PewDiePie is not a, uh anti-Semitic whatever. Finally, we get through that. He says, he does his apology videos, everything else. We keep going. He's still the highest YouTuber or highest subscribed YouTuber on the planet. Um, and he's making less and less gaming videos. He's making more commentary videos. He's making like a news show now, a Pew News station, whatever. Um, and uploading every day, I believe. until the media attacks him for something that's not even that he didn't he could never have done but the media like this other i think it was vice this time i don't know some other news company online news company they uh they slander his name for shouting out a channel that had a video that had an anti-semitic message in the video uh, if you ask me, that's digging pretty deep. Um, that's looking, that's it's stretching it kind of far. And that's how I think everybody who knows who PewDiePie is uh, took it. And everybody who didn't know who PewDiePie is maybe looked him up. So now he was bigger. Uh, through this we see PewDiePie as a channel rather than just doing a news program here or a, a repeating of his, um, of his, what happened, his controversies. I'll get into that. He, he became less of a, I'm trying to make it in YouTube to I'm reacting to what's happening and it's helping me in YouTube. Um, or with YouTube, whatever. He he became to the point that now we're so distant from the entity. We still feel like we're part of his community, and we still feel like we're bros, you know? But we're referred to as the nine-year-old army. And it's like everybody's a nine-year-old. How uh, this this makes me this. In, I need to take a drink of this coffee. I'm I'm starting to stutter. Gross. All right. So with the. Uh, 
with all this stuff that happens, I feel like after the first little bit, we went from bros to started with bro army. But I think bro army kind of came from just having how how big it was. And that was a reaction on his part. After that, um, he started making commentary videos as a reaction to the controversy and his apology videos and stuff and the news that he could talk about. Um, after a while, they were cherry-picking anything and nothing that... And there was really nothing that he could do to not be looked at as a villain. He was being as clean as possible. So then he started being the Christian channel. And he was the uh, he was over PC. He was like, um, he's like, no, Christian channel won't swear, blocks out everything. And it was kind of like a he was joking about about it, but with that changing the thing to the point that we are reacting with him, and we're ma- he's making fun of himself, so we make fun of him, like with it. If that makes sense. Um, when he reacts and he turns... One of the... I think the nine-year-olds came from a news article that said he's leading a nation of nine-year-olds to become neo-Nazis or whatever else. Uh, with that, it's hard to look at anything... Like, he just makes a, makes fun of it, makes a meme out of it. And I feel like it's because his sense of humor is easily adjusted or like is is evolving in a way that his demographic is also. I'm sure, well, PewDiePie has like 80 million subscribers or some stupid shit like that now. Um, with that... He, I had an idea going here, and I can't remember it now. What was it? He has like 80 million subscribers. At this point, he he's just riding it out. I don't know what he can do. Like, he doesn't need to try to build an audience for himself anymore. He he gets an audience built for him. Um, we got a, a brief glimpse, I feel like, of his, um, his dark humor after a while. But he's still got it, and his demographic is aging around him and with him. So his, like, the sense of humor is aging too. But I think it's mostly a reaction to everything happening. And we, as the viewer who have been following for a while, we get a sense of pride in that. We get to say, yeah, we were bros before before the controversies. Like we before Wall Street Journal, we were there beginning. We were there like when he had eight million subscribers. Now he's got eighty million. Um or eight hundred million or something like that. Uh eighty million. Eighty million I think. Um and he knows to make the the references like that enough that new people will come in, but like it's not it's not classic classic PewDiePie. He's evolving 
but at the same time, he got um, he needs to make those references, those short references to things in the background that we know. So when he goes Christian channel, Christian channel, like the people who have followed know that he's trying to like be over PC and he's trying to like make a joke about if he says anything edgy, he's going to be written about and like slandered again and hated. Uh, and then something as small as like, Hey you guys, or we have announcement that like really high pitched meme that he reviewed a few times. Uh, that's again, like you watch that now and you're like, oh, that's a reference to a video I've already watched of his. That's right. I'm in the loop. I know. And even when he comes in, howdy poo, you PewDiePie. That's, that's it. Hey, bros, I'm PewDiePie. That's classic. That's like before everything. That was when he was still small. So when we look at how little he how much he is blending the new humor and everything about like the meme lifestyle. Um, <laughs> yeah, I called it a meme lifestyle into his old, old references. I feel like it just puts a sense of pride in his, in his um, subscribers, the people who have been around a long time. To the point that they're hacking people and they're making a new ring that when it touches a phone, it subscribes you to PewDiePie. They're like forcing their friends and they're like telling random people on the street to subscribe to PewDiePie. He's got his nine-year-old army, which is has grown over the years of like seven years or something like that. Like something grown over a long time. I don't know how long it was, but to the point that they're not now just like working out on their own. It It's insane to me and it's super fascinating and I need to do more research, but I'm trying to articulate a video for that. So if you listen to this podcast, you got a bit of an advantage, I guess. But with that, I want to end this podcast eventually. So I don't really have much more I can say about PewDiePie over and over. But let's find our Super Fight mantra today. And uh, let's see what we're going to kick today's ass with. We're going to be MacGyver. Oh, good start. Our first ability on stilts. So we're super tall. Are we good at stilts? Hopefully. MacGyver. And uh, there's three of us. So fuck yeah. We're going to get three times the work done. And we're going to be able to reach the tall shelves because we're on stilts. And uh, we're MacGyver, so we can do anything. We can make some fucking bombs out of bubblegum. There we go. Go and make your bombs out of bubblegum. Make sure to stick them to the ceiling because we can because we're super tall. And... You and the two other yous, keep doing what you want Sunday at will. Good night.